Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by betonline.ag. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, joined once again by Sean Siegel. Sean, we had a show earlier in the week, we looked a little bit about the Top 150 article you'd up on the website, uh, really enjoyed talking through those topics. On today's show we're going to look a little bit more uh, at the Rookie Scouting Index, a little bit of work by Dave Cabin again on the site, but looking today at the wide receiver position, we looked at the running backs on one of the shows last week. We'll also be talking a little bit of best ball and looking through uh, some of the work you've done on the site recently um, at the best ball workshop and seeing what opportunities there are to take advantage of in this best ball season. There's plenty of time for people now with uh, the situation of a lot of people uh, being at home uh, to get those best ball drafts underway. So we'll be talking about that a little bit later in the show. But Sean, how are you uh, today? Excellent. Looking forward to the show. As you mentioned, we talked about Dynasty on Tuesday, really getting into some of those key players, the people you want to target for your rebuild or your reload. And then today we get to talk rookies, we get to talk best ball, uh, two of the key topics for this type of the year in the fantasy football universe. So we hope everyone out there is doing okay, is in good spirits and good health as they listen. And we're excited to dive into these topics yeah exactly and as always when we start the show one let you know that you can get a 10 percent discount to rotoviz nfl pass right now through the nfl podcast homepage rotoviz.com forward slash podcast get ready for the nfl draft now less than one month away get ready for all those rookies coming into the league and gain access to all of our content all of our tools uh, and help support the podcast once again 10 percent off is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast so sean let's get straight into it here looking at the rookie scouting index as i mentioned at the start of the show we talked about this uh, last week but from uh, the perspective of the running backs we're going to do it a little bit today from the wide receiver position um you mentioned last week is kind of pulling together uh, all the kind of draft kind of positions that people think that these players are going to, to go off the board at includes people like cbs draft tech draft countdown our lads uh, and, and a couple more guys in there where it's pulled together and then then we use the road of his tools and to, to see where things are going to to shake up and um, what what did you find uh out of the wide receiver position here that uh, was was interesting for yourself we talked about cd lamb being in amongst those guys in that key tier so maybe not quite to the level of aj brown not quite to the level of the dj Moore, but in there uh perhaps just after Cortland sutton we're talking about chart we're talking about cooper we're talking about Diggs. we're talking about mclaurin and that he would move into that range obviously then the alabama guys jerry judy and henry ruggs the third are going to come in later tiers perhaps the next tier, perhaps a couple tiers down but they both pop up at the top here of the rsi we have judy at number one we have rugs at number three now dave points out that it basically was a dead heat between judy and lamb for the top spot i was going to look at our rankings 
for the Dynasty Command Center Rookie Guide, which is out now. The, the Volume 2 is out. Volume 3 will be out after the draft. You can get in there and look at that. But for our rankers, we all had Lamb ahead except for TJ. And everyone had them very close except for me and TJ. I had Lamb much higher. He had Judy much higher. So it, it's definitely a coin flip here for most people. Lamb comes out with a little bit better numbers. Overall, he has uh, leads the way in Travis May's adjusted production index, which again, you can also get in the DCC rookie guide. And he's a guy, he played with a first round pick last year in Marquise Brown then and put up big numbers. Brown moves along, Lamb absolutely explode. A little bit different than what we had with Alabama, but then Alabama, as we've talked about a little bit, not only do they have these two guys, but they have two guys who are expected to be first round draft picks in next year's draft. So uh, I think that the interesting thing about this draft is that there are a lot of red flags for these guys from a production standpoint, but almost all of them are competing with other players on their teams who are also stars, right? So this introduces kind of a weird dynamic where college football has gotten to be so top heavy. We have number four is Justin Jefferson, number five, T Higgins. Both of those guys have better players on their college team who are not eligible for the draft yet. So what do we do with them? And then we have LaVisca Chenault, number six, dealing with that injury. We have Hamler at number seven with not quite seeing the numbers, the speed numbers that we wanted from him. And then Denzel Mims at number eight, the real gigantic riser, from the combine with the big freak score, we have Jalen Rager, number nine, whom we discussed uh, the weird contrasts with his profile on the show last week. And the number 10, Brandon Ayuk, all 10 of these players have been projected into the first round in one mock draft or another. Now, I'm tempted to take the guys in that six through 10 range who have actually better production numbers and in many cases better athletic numbers and try to get the value on those guys versus taking the players from these premier programs who in my mind have a few more questions is that the way you would play it are there some guys either in the top five or in the six to through ten range that really jump out as key targets to you well, there, there is guys obviously in the, the top five. If you're looking specific at the, the top two, uh, so like ruling out those guys, if you're going from three through five and then uh, all the way down to 10, I, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, kind of not, I wouldn't say underrated, but I think they're maybe underlooked because if you look at these then in your, your dynasty drafts, you're going to have the running backs in there too. Like some of these guys, um, and especially if you're in a super flex format, it'll pump up some of those quarterbacks as we talked about a few weeks ago. You're going to have some of these guys like a, you know, a Rager, like an Ayuk who could be going kind of late second round, arguably, if you're, if you're putting in, you know, four or five running backs and maybe two, three quarterbacks. So, um, I think there's definitely going to be value, um, in that and those players getting pushed a little bit further down. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where the draft position shakes them up after all is said and done. But, uh, there's a couple of guys there. I know you mentioned the, the injury to Chenault. Um, he's still somebody I've mentioned a couple of times in the show that interests me. Uh, Mims and Rager are very interesting. The, the one, again, we talked about, I'm not going to go into too much, but we we talked about Rager uh, quite a bit in last week's show, but he's the one that really has a quite a big gap between what 
the media and what people in the the mock draft community uh, see with him versus what we see with him at Rotovis. He he's one that has quite a big gap, uh, and even. Michael Pittman is somebody who I mentioned a couple of weeks on the show, kind of one of those guys that are just outside the top 10 who who, who still interests me quite a bit. So I, I think there is a lot of potential in that back half of those kind of, you know, top top 10 guys. Um, and I think when you put it into your rookie drafts, a lot of those guys then are going to be pushed quite considerably down, at least into the mid-second round. So the, the value then becomes very, very intriguing for those players. Um, do you think that's kind of the range... I would see that there's going to be um, five to six running backs going in those first two rounds as well as long as well as probably three to four quarterbacks. Do you, do you think that's similar where you'll see those guys really push down to late second? I remember the player who always strikes me when I start to talk about that is uh, is um, Calvin Ridley, who kind of fell into that late, not not quite as late as that, but kind of late first round, early second round a couple of years ago, and, and proved to be a, a huge value. Certainly, we're going to do a sort of a redraft of that draft pretty soon, which I think will be fun. (laughs) Going into that year, that it was all about the running backs, right? We had just come off of of two seasons that had been big bounce back seasons for the position as a whole. 2016, the huge bounce back from the 2015 running back apocalypse, then that carried through 2017. the numbers for the for the running back bounce back in 2017 actually weren't as strong all the way through, but we had these real highlight numbers from the guys at the top. And then we looked at this class coming in and said, well, all of these guys could be the highlight types of people. And, and really, it, it's just Ben Barkley, right? The rest of that class is disappointed. We talked about Chubb on Tuesday, but perhaps some of the, the red flags there. By contrast, that wide receiver class you go back and look at the rookie drafts and you're seeing calvin ridley 201 Cortland sutton 202 christian kirk 203 so guys like that available in positions that seem a little bit silly now when they're top 25 overall uh, dynasty players and in this draft i think i don't know that we're going to see the running backs push them as far down certainly that trio of star running backs at the top is likely to do well and then there are a couple of sleepers but the receivers themselves may push down the group here and you mentioned rager it's interesting to see uh dave has this broken down in a variety of ways and we can look at the fact that you mentioned those top two guys they basically split the number one ranking on all the different sites and the lowest any of them either of them went was number two they were one and two in each group once we get down to Rager, it's very, very different where he went as high as number five, a low as number 14. Now, again, this is a, a fairly deep receiving class, but Rager in there at 14 seems fairly, uh, maybe not questionable, but just it, it's, it is out of sync, as you mentioned, with where the dynasty community has him because Rager often goes in that three, four, five range when you're talking about where he comes off the board in a startup, where he is valued in terms of trades, he's a, a very big trade piece right now where people are desperately trying to get him uh, before whatever happens in the NFL draft. I think the biggest concern for all of these guys is that they will go low enough in the second round that we start to worry about what NFL teams might think of them and so chanel certainly would would benefit from uh getting in there in that 25 to 35 range certainly mims if he jumps up and and i've seen him in a mock in the last week where he basically leapfrogs everyone except for that top three if he does that then he becomes a very enticing sort of prospect Ayuk, someone else who uh 
You see him at number 20. You see him at the end of the third round. Very different scenarios based on on where he goes. And one of these guys, and, and hopefully not, but will probably end up being the 2020 Hakeem Butler, someone that everybody was extremely high on and then goes so late that he immediately drops out of really fantasy relevance. And then unfortunately for him also gets injured and misses that rookie year. And so then disappears almost entirely. Colin, before we leave, let's talk about these guys real quick in the 11 to 15 range. You mentioned Michael Pittman. We have Chase Claypool, who uh, basically matched the freak score and the combine from DK Metcalf. We have Antonio Gibson, who could be a position change candidate kind of guy, has that elite running back type of skill set. And then Brian Edwards and Donovan Peoples-Jones, two players who maybe had more expected of them or in Edwards' case, actually met expectations in a lot of ways but injuries have kept him from being as trendy a name as he would be otherwise uh, do you have a, a target a sleeper target in that range i think he included pitman and in that so he he would be the one out of those guys who who I'd, I'd be interested in he's somebody a little bit like uh rager who you mentioned being between five and 14 in terms of the the rankings he's somebody who is between six and 17 so some of these guys obviously when you're comparing different drafts on, on different sites there's gonna be a kind of wide range of outcomes you know if he like like you mentioned there with mems if he, if he jumps up you know even three or four spots and goes in those kind of top eight wide receivers that, that changes the outlook here in terms of what people will be thinking about him but i think that he's somebody who who could who could have a, a very interesting role here um moving forward you know as we get in get ready for the nfl season something that also concerns me about the the rookies is we'll see what happens obviously nationwide with uh the situation with the coronavirus and things like that but um where these rookies when they get drafted and how that affects their training camps and things like that's going to be very interesting as well so guys who maybe aren't the most uh you know beneficial long-term prospects but maybe have enough to be able to do the kind of more simple aspects in the short term uh, could be people who to end up having roles in, in 2020 who may not necessarily be the the best nfl players but may be productive in year one so it's going to be interesting but i i do think Pittman is somebody uh, who falls into that category for me is there any of the other guys that that you would you would take over him I think the Edwards becomes pretty interesting if you're talking about wide receiver 14, but I would, uh, you know, jump in there with you again on Pittman and, and say that he's an interesting guy because his, his profile is odd. He doesn't necessarily have the numbers through the first several seasons that we would like, but dealt with sort of a crowded depth chart there at USC, dealt with some injuries. The last couple of seasons has that receiving market share yards in that 29% range. And especially last year, that's extremely impressive when you look at the other talent that is there with Amon Ra St. Brown being someone who could end up being a first round pick in the next draft is a real perhaps a breakout leap kind of candidate uh, competing with Tyler Vaughn's. You know, these guys are our top five, in some cases, number one. Uh, former recruits so a deep depth chart there to get 101 catches go for over 1200 receiving yards get into that double digit touchdown range uh, all of those things i think are are things that you're excited about he's got that prototypical wide receiver one size he put in you know a good three cone time at that big size and so he's perhaps someone who has this very wide range of outcomes we talk all the time about the players who don't declare early that they underperform their draft position by a wide margin and so for that perhaps that gives them a red flag but it's certainly not across the board 
right? Anybody right now would take a Cooper Cup, would take a Kenny Galladay. And so we do see some four-year guys who get in there and become studs at the NFL level. Pittman, an intriguing candidate to do just that. Before we get into the second half of the show, I want to let you know about our partners over at betonline.ag. With currently no NBA, NHL, or NFL, or MLB, or anything really in the sporting world going on at the moment, you might be thinking there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports events and games to wager on. Or let them bring you to Vegas with one of their online casinos and blackjack open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series and if you're into props or betting entertainment you can bet on survivor big brother american idol the stock market and everything uh, even including the weather and uh, those stocks they are going up and down quite frequently at the moment so a perfect opportunity to get involved there visit their website and join today to receive a hundred percent welcome bonus with your first deposit as a loyal podcast listener be sure to use the code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Once again, that is BLUEWIRE, all one word, for a 100% sign-up bonus when you join betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So, Sean, looking now a little bit at the best ball uh, workshop and um, some of my favorite articles that you've done up on the site given those different aspects into where we should be targeting players uh, this best ball season uh, your recent piece obviously taken quite a bit of uh, work from mike beers and the, the roster construction explorer uh, tool that is up on the site um, for any people playing best ball if you haven't checked that out i don't know why you're waiting you need to be using that when building these rosters but uh, seven players that you must uh, own based on intel from the first to workshop lessons so like, like a lot of your articles sean there is going to be kind of steps to it uh you know i mentioned in there the other articles uh, that obviously link in well with it as well so for the listeners who haven't checked them out they should also check them out and and for convenience sean has those tagged at the bottom of the article for example uh, just to make it nice and simple for for the reader but looking through them sean was there a position that you wanted to hit first um out off, out off these guys well, we can start with with either one here. Both of them have some fun players who are, tend to be overlooked. I, I wanted to mention Mike again before we get past that. You had mentioned him and the roster construction explorer. Uh, for for people who haven't checked out the site or who uh, you know are not familiar with Mike Beer's work, it is just absolutely fantastic. He's built tools here which will help you go through the history of best ball and understand what has worked in individual seasons and you can break it down in incredible detail with positions in given rounds you can see the win rates you can see the top six positions and the next article that will come out will actually focus on defense and again you know it's like quarterback tight end defense i mean these are not the fun positions right they're not the positions that are going to help you win you know you need to have those star running backs you need to hit those breakout wide receivers and that's both the case and not the case, right? Because once we have this defensive article out as well, we look at these three lessons together, right? And if you had followed the tactics from the QB lesson, the tight end lesson, and the defense lesson last season, then you would have had a 15% win rate and a 70% top six rate, right? So, these positions that seem boring or seem obvious that it feels like we know what to do that's in fact not the case or at least it's not the case for the bulk of owners who are actually 
doing almost the exact opposite of what we really want at these three positions. So to get back to your question, you know, let's start with the quarterbacks here and look at where we want to be drafting the quarterbacks. And we find that we had this quarterback window between round seven and round 12, where we want to hit at least two and perhaps three guys in that range. And so for the early going, at least for the 2020 season, it actually gives us a a pretty good group to target. It goes anywhere from QB four, which is Russell Wilson to QB 20, which is Kirk Cousins. Now, when I look at at round 12 and I'm seeing Tannehill, Roethlisberger, Burrow, and Cousins, that is not particularly appealing to me. So I chose to target three guys from that QB4 to QB16 range. And I think even the, the quarterbacks in round 11 are maybe not quite as enticing. The first guy I had there was Dak Prescott at QB6. He is going in the eighth round. A lot of people still don't like to take their quarterbacks that early. But if you look at the other players who are coming off of the board, you're not having to pass up nearly as much as you might think, right? We already have 36 receivers off the board finishing there with Will Fuller. We have 37 running backs off the board finishing there with Ronald Jones. So uh, we love Jones. We love Fuller. But we're already into this range where those are not the guy, kind of guys where you're like, oh, if I take a quarterback here, then it's going to cost me a star. Now, uh, Rotovis listeners know that we would like those guys to be stars. It's possible that they will be, but those guys are even off the board. So when we're looking at Dak Prescott here at number six, we come up with someone who had extremely high numbers across the board in basically everything last year top five in passing yards and touchdowns top 10 in rushing yards he gives us this hybrid ability and when we put the numbers into the screener and we pull out a quick projection for the 2020 season he comes in behind only lamar jackson and deshaun watson and now obviously watson has lost hopkins for next season so uh, obviously patrick mahomes you would expect him to jump up there and be above as well but mahomes and jackson Two of the guys who are outside that range where we want to target QBs, they don't go into that window. So for me, Dak Prescott is really the main star that we can target in this range to start building our quarterback depth. Do you like Prescott there, or would you consider reaching in the previous round for, say, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, or, and I know that as a Packers fan, this is going to be appealing to you. Would you wait for the next round and perhaps take a Matt Ryan or an Aaron Rodgers? Uh, to be honest, I, I've said this always with Rodgers being a better uh, f- uh, real-life quarterback than a fantasy quarterback, so I'd probably bypass that. But the the one that Ryan's always interesting, but I think that you know, last year we were in a situation where we had uh, we, we had Baker Mayfield, I think, was going off maybe QB4 last year, and it, it was always a bit kind of rich in terms of what you're you paying for him. I think he probably should have been going off the board last year around this kind of spot here um, where Dak is going. I think that would have been a more fair value. I think Dak is appropriately valued, but I think he still has the upside uh, going at that position there to, to really um, be able to, to overtake those guys in front. So guys like Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, uh, Russell Wilson, um, I, I would personally at the moment, I'd personally prefer to take Dak over Deshaun um, based on losing out on uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I, I think the thing that people 
underestimate a little bit with Dak is his rushing ability and the, he, he does have that upside for rushing touchdowns as well and um, so I think Prescott made such a leap last year I think he's slightly undervalued maybe there's still people thinking about his earlier years in the NFL um, Prescott for me is a, definitely a value there I, I would be going with him um, you know the, the player that's in around him that would be interesting is Carson Wentz but Wentz has had so many injuries that just concerns me his, we talked about it in the show earlier in the week his skill position players have had so many injuries so that concerns me so Prescott is the one there I think is the, is the right call at that spot uh, the other players then Sean that you took as part of the strategy moving forward was Daniel Jones at quarterback 12 and we've talked about the second year leap um, many many times on the show I think Daniel Jones showed enough last year I think people are probably are already of the opinion that Daniel Jones isn't that good of a quarterback based on what people thought when he was drafted they thought the Giants drafted him too high I think Daniel Jones showed a lot of promise last year and I think going into year two with the players that he does have you know he has uh, has a stud running back has three or four very very comp- uh, um, you know competitive kind of wide receiver core where there is very talented players there he has Evan Ingram who going into last year and even at this stage as well is still a very highly thought of tight end so all the pieces are there for Daniel Jones if you look at the young quarterbacks he might have the best pieces around him um, I think a very, very uh, good pick at that position. And the one that you mentioned then, I'll let you talk about whichever one you want after, is Matthew Stafford at QB14. I don't know what happened. I know I know Matthew Stafford got injured last year. I think people think that Matthew Stafford has you know just disappeared or Matthew Stafford's like 50 years old or you know something has happened to him because Stafford from what he was doing last year and what he's done throughout his career in fantasy terms I think that he should be going uh, a lot lot higher than he, he currently is so I think he was a, a great kind of value pick if you're if you're going for the strategy do you, are you surprised just how low he's going at the quarterback position and who is going ahead of him in terms of ADP I guess I'm not surprised because I feel like this is a team a little bit like with the Houston Texans where there is very little confidence in the coaching staff. Uh, Maybe that's deserved. Maybe it's not deserved. We had a a huge difference between the 2018 offense and the 2019 offense. And while the 2019 offense was very exciting, I think that 2018 offense lurks in the background and people are thinking, well, if they can get the defense back where they want, if they can get the running game going, then they will shut it back down. And all of a sudden that volume that he needs will disappear. But as you mentioned, uh, Stafford has been a guy who's put up fantasy points in the past He had his best season from an efficiency perspective last year. And so in terms of Matthew Stafford as the true superstar, we we finally saw that. Now, this may be a little bit late in his career for people to buy into it completely, but this is always a guy who has had close to the best, if not the best arm talent in the NFL. Now, he's probably not a Patrick Mahomes, but when you get below that, Matthew Stafford can compete with anybody in terms of throwing the ball. And now the Lions have finally built the receiving core back around him that he had sort of in the heyday with Megatron, uh, you know, with Calvin Johnson there as sort of the transcendent wide receiver. Now, Kenny Galladay is no Megatron, but he has emerged as a star in his own right. You have Marvin Jones, who is a, a downfield touchdown scorer. If TJ Hawkinson can make the kind of jump that many people believe that he will make and there are reasons to believe he might not, right? Neil has a cool article out on the site, you know, using the screener, uh, using that similarity search feature. And for Lions fans, the fact that Eric Ebron pops up on there, I mean, that's sort of your disaster, worst case nightmare scenario. 
But if Hawkinson emerges, then this team is going to be very difficult to stop in the passing game. And as you mentioned, Stafford has a price tag that is very appealing. It's easy to purchase him in in these drafts. Now, in terms of round 11 here, in terms of where he's going, you have Baker Mayfield at QB 13, Stafford at 14, Tom Brady at 15. Uh, Certainly, uh, I think uh, an exciting and provocative and perhaps dangerous uh, trap type of offense there with the Buccaneers. And then you have Jerry Goff sort of interestingly coming in there at 16. And really, I think there's a tear break right before that happens. When you're looking at, you know, you had mentioned Jones and Wentz. When you're looking at Drew Brees in round 10, and then you're looking at those big three names in round 11 of Mayfield, Stafford, and Brady, do you have a favorite there? I think Stafford's the the one to go for in terms of like, you know, I, I know you mentioned the, I have no confidence in the coaching staff, a little bit like uh, with Bill O'Brien. But if you look at where Deshaun Watson's going, obviously he has more rushing ability, but he's going like, you know, top five quarterbacks in terms of ADP. Uh, like last year, that offense wasn't good really for Detroit, but Stafford played eight games. He had near, he had just one yard under 2,500 yards. He had 19 touchdowns, five interceptions you know he was on pace for his best uh, season of his career in terms of you know tds to interceptions um i just like if you extrapolate that out it's a five thousand yard season he may not have kept up that pace but you know <laughs> it's really what you want uh, in terms of his fantasy numbers and um, so I, I really think that while it might have not been the most exciting it was been quite productive for those first eight games up to his injury and the way the lions really fell off completely to finish the end of the season with the kind of quarterback carousel that happened there i think people aren't really thinking about it but you know stafford's 32 he's going to be uh you know he's he's only turned uh 32 um so there's plenty of time left for him to develop here and i think he's just been kind of cast aside as if he's a a late stage of his career like you know he's been he's kind of been cast aside as if he's philip rivers at this point in his career and you know i think that there's a lot more upside to come yet from matthew stafford um moving forward he has two very very good wide receivers he potentially has uh you know a tight end who can be a difference maker he has uh you know a very very we think could be a very 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 good running back and carry on johnson so i think we we should just like uh have a little bit more respect for matthew stafford and what he could do uh for fantasy this year and beyond i could be wrong on that but i'm i'm very uh, kind of bullish on him as a, a quarterback uh, here for this season uh, obviously jumping into the second part of the piece we're looking at tight ends um you know in terms of the strategies um there was kind of two different strategies sean that uh, came up as, as options um do you want to let the listeners know a little bit about them and, and what's then is your preferred option yeah so there are two different ways to play the tight end position the better way to play it is with a two tight end formulation which is actually not very popular but you need to grab one of the elite tight ends in the first four rounds and then stack in a second solid tight end by the round you know, 14, 15 range. Or you could play it where you get sort of three tight ends in the window, and that window would be between rounds 9 and 15. And so really want to avoid what we might call the tight end mirage uh, rounds 5 through 8. And when you go and you look at the ADPs, it's un- interesting and it's easy to understand why people would get caught up in those tight ends in that range because uh, all of the value names that are exciting are in that group, 
right? If you have to wait until round nine, then we get into Jerry Cook, Noah Fant, uh, Dallas Goddard, Mike Gesicki, and you're thinking to yourself, well, that's that's not really where I want my tight end one to come from. You know, I, I want my first tight end to be better than that. The problem is that historically and, and very consistently, despite the fact that we're getting some, you know, tight end breakouts and you get different tight ends in this group, it's been very clear that you really do want one of those top tight ends. Now, because they've been good the past several seasons, they've scored a lot of points. They've stayed a little bit healthier. You know, we're not dealing with that Gronk. Is he going to be injured situation uh, for these top guys? Not that they couldn't get hurt, but certainly with Gronkowski, we got into that uh, dilemma where it, it felt like he was always out. It's expensive to take these top couple of players. Kelsey and Kill are going in the second round. Kelsey going fairly early in the second round. And traditionally, that has been a little bit rich. It's really that third and fourth round range that we want to target. But that range is really only uh, Zach Ertz in round four, and then Mark Andrews falling down into the, the early fifth round range, which again, has been a little bit of a, a danger zone for tight ends, but I, I almost think that he will uh, inflate to the point where he'll, he'll be one of those round four types of guys. Obviously, you'd prefer him just to stay in round five, and certainly if people want to, to target him in that area, then I have no problems with that. Colin, we talked about the key tight ends to target early on Tuesday when we debated the dynasty value of Travis Kelsey versus Mark Andrews and talked a little bit of Zach Ertz Now jumping into it from a different perspective, the best ball perspective here, when you're looking at Kelsey and Kittle in round two and knowing that you're going to have to take Kelsey a little bit earlier there, do you have a preference? Is there anyone that you're staying away from? Kittle still worries me from an aspect of volume. Um, I I do think that you're going to see Kelsey again. Have the Kelsey has been like almost like clockwork over the last couple of seasons. You know, kind of he's going to get uh, a, a quite a bulk of Patrick Mahomes' passes. Before that, it was Alex Smith. So there's going to be the upside there then uh, to to get those fantasy points. Kelsey. Uh, sorry, yeah, um, Kettle, sorry, I, I'm not 100% sure that he's going to be used on the same volume. And of course, then that's what we really want when it gets to the fantasy production is the, the consistent volume. So he is somebody who I, I might be shying away from out of those two based based on that. I still have those concerns. Do you still have concerns on usage? Uh, based not, not even percentage of the team's usage, but the actual amount that they are going to look to pass versus how much they're going to look to run? Maybe it's just a sort of an optimism about passing or an optimism about teams continuing to improve. I think that this 49ers team will look at what they did in the playoffs last year, look at what they did in the Super Bowl, and will say to themselves, well, there are certainly some defenses like your Green Bay Packers, for example, to where we can run the ball exclusively. (laughs) But if we want to go out there and beat a Russell Wilson team that might be better beat a green bay packers team that will fix some of the the running the rush defense liabilities you know if we want to beat this arizona cardinals team that could take a big step forward and be one of the most exciting teams in the nfl and certainly then once we get to the super bowl if we're going to beat the kansas city chiefs then we have to score more points we want this to be a more dynamic passing offense and we've got the weapons right because you have Debo, you have kittle you have some of those guys they decided to stick with Garoppolo as opposed to taking the Tom Brady route. I think they're going to take the next step. I think this is the year that the 49ers really unleash the passing offense as well. Even if that doesn't happen, 
Kittle is is such a star, and certainly you have a little bit less of a concern, I think, in best ball where you're going to be able to get his best results, and maybe if he has a few of those down games, it, it's not going to completely kill you. I like him there. However, one of the things with with Kelsey is that that's it's so early to take a tight end because it's also very important to load up on those top guys at the other positions. If you have a superstar wide receiver there, you might prefer that. I actually think this is the perfect year to take Kelsey early because, uh, you know, just giving a little bit of uh, spoilers for the rest of the series to come. We know we want that stud running back in the first round. And then we know we want this uh, just absolute raft of receivers following. And it sets up perfectly to do that because in round three, you've got that choice between AJ Brown and Juju Smith Schuster in round four, you can take Sutton or Ridley. In round five, you can take Samuel Chark McLaurin. In round six, you can get our guy Tyler Boyd. And so you can put together that foursome of wide receivers to really be the foundation for your team and still have the upside of Kelsey. And so I, I really like that formulation to start off 2020. I think that that's a very smart way to go. The other one, Sean, we'll just do it briefly and we'll let the listeners dive into a little bit more detail then uh, as, as they looked through it was the three tight ends and, and, and that kind of window situation. So taking them um, a little bit later in the draft and, and the tight ends you've highlighted here are Mike Kosicki uh, Eric, and Eric Ebron specifically. Uh, interesting that Eric Ebron popped up. He hasn't been somebody I've, I've seen talked too much about. Um, Gasecki was somebody who I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. is a very interesting candidate. Uh, what was your thoughts, I guess, uh, on Eric Ebron um, heading into the season? Well, he had a better career in Detroit than people may realize. Uh, disappointing based on his draft position, but once you're getting him in a much cheaper range as a tight end, then he has you know, a tight end one result in 47% of the weeks from 2015 to 2019, right? And so, again, when you're talking about a guy who's picked in the top 10 of the NFL draft, that may be disappointing, but it gives you a sense of how he's still able to score. He's going to be going into that offense, hopefully with Ben Roethlisberger, apparently healthy again, and will be able to have that touchdown threat that he had in 2018 with andrew luck and so i think especially in best ball he really is a guy at this range that you would want to get obviously still has that potential to be very frustrating in a regular redraft league but part of the thing that we're looking at here is just that we do want three tight ends in this range if we're following the second best strategy and once we start to get into who these guys are it it may be uh, dims your optimism a little bit for going about it this way certainly jared cook could have another big season he's there at tight end 10 uh, i like the two breakout guys in fanton hawkinson uh, but they're going rounds nine rounds 10 so you're not exactly getting a bargain there you're going to have to pay up for their potential breakouts you look at some of the guys in round 10 at hayden Hurst and jack doyle there are volume-based arguments for those guys But certainly, I think there are a lot of other things going around them that still raise some red flags. I would be interested in your take in a round 14 guy. The tight end 23 is Irv Smith. We've talked about him on the show a little bit. And then tight end 24 is Chris Herndon. The Jets claim to still like him. He's someone who has popped in our tight end model in the past. Obviously, New York there desperately needs some weapons for Sam Darnold, even after they've signed Rashad Perryman. Are there any deep sleepers that popped out to you? 
Hendren is somebody who prior to last year um, obviously then had the situation off the field where he had I believe it was a four game suspension to, to kick things off um, he's somebody who I've really liked um, after his rookie season and um, thought he could really take a step forward you know with everything that was going on it was uh, Sam Darnell's second year last year I thought there was a lot of positivity there so he is somebody who I, if, if the Jets still like him which it's hard to know when these things happen off the field but there's a huge amount of targets after getting freed up uh, you know with the Jets in terms of uh, Robbie Anderson uh, moving out of town so I think he's somebody who at that position with uh, the, the targets now that they've been freed up and what we've seen in glimpses from him I think he's somebody who's is very intriguing you know as, as a lit kind of a lit prospect there the problem is and I guess it's like this with any player you're taking at this position the the downside is zero points <laughs> and uh, th- that is very very possible when you're in this situation but best ball can allow you to take those opportunities Hendren is somebody who who I like um, but the off the field concerns seem to still be lingering um i don't know if it's a thing that just happens when teams are in the big cities specifically in new york we, we've seen and robbie anderson have some issues um off the field as well um you know and chris hendron as well so um i hope he can put it all together um but I, i'm just not 100 percent sure but i do like his his skill set and his him as a prospect if he puts everything together uh, which out of those would you, would you be going for uh, Eric Smith uh, ahead of him. I just, I just like uh, Hendren a little bit more from an overall prospect point of view. I, I like Smith there, and I think that there is a potential for the volume to really open up. Although, uh, potential also for it to be shut down. He, he's going in round four, fourteen below some of those other guys because some of the other players in that eleven, twelve round range who are just simply not very exciting based on talent do have clearer paths to targets immediately we'll have to see what the nfl draft also throws up for some of these players we wouldn't expect for the rookie tight ends to necessarily come in and be the starter to necessarily come in and take the bulk of the volume but you know some of these players who are in this 11 to 15 round range it's not going to take much volume loss at all before they're back into that category where it's really just a random touchdown that scores points for you whereas smith someone who is definitely a foundational piece of what the vikings want to do going forward whether or not it happens in 2020 as opposed to 2021 uh, is a difficult question to answer but i always like to bet on the players with talent winning the jobs getting the volume and certainly then also you get that discount because people are so concerned about volume and so that's probably the path that i would take when we're looking at these deep guys in this range here i definitely uh, urge you we can we did talk through it uh, but there is a lot more detail in there to head on over check out sean's piece on uh, the best ball workshop and check out the the previous two lessons as well that's going to do it for today's edition of the show if you didn't check out the show to start the week head on back listen to that we talked with the dynasty top 150 really enjoyed that of course as i mentioned at the start of the show today's show brought to you by betonline.ag my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host is sean siegel um, with more fantastic work coming out on the site over the next uh, next couple of days make sure you do check all that out and until we're back with another one have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on road of his radio please rate and review the road of his radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at road of his radio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at road of his radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to road of his with a 30 discount through the road of his radio homepage road of forward slash podcast